0: We are four days now into the search around the area of Gillam, Manitoba for 18-year-old Briar Schmigelski and 19-year-old Cam McLeod. An update from Manitoba RCMP is expected in about an hour. We will have that live for you. Now, they are the two suspects in the murders of three people in northern BC, which means the murder investigations are happening here in our province. With all the focus on the manhunt aspect of this story, we wanted to find out how those investigations are going. So joining us now is Corporal Chris Manso from the BC RCMP. Thank you very much for joining us.
1: Good afternoon, Simi.
0: How is the investigation going right now? Where are we at?
1: Well, those investigations are, you know, these take time. These are complex, fluid investigations, and, you know, there's a lot of uh, things that change seems to be day by day on this uh, this manhunt and these investigations that have literally captivated the nation and uh, several other nations as well. So, you know, we have investigators up there. We have major crime up there. We have uh, uh, sorry. We have our forensics teams up there, where uh, we want to make sure that these investigations are thorough, fulsome, and we. Uh, make sure that everything we put forward to the BC Prosecution Service is uh, is prim and proper. We want to we want to make sure that we're doing the absolute right thing up there. So everyone up there is working as hard as they can, and uh, we hope for a positive resolution on this.
0: How many crime scenes are there up there that are being <sighs> investigated?
1: Uh, well, there's several crime scenes up there. I don't have the details on how many, but uh, I know our investigators are working at, on at least the two crime scenes there. So the uh, the scene with the the, the burnt-out vehicle, the scene where uh, Mr. Dick was found, and the scene where um, uh, Mr. Fowler and Miss Dees were found also. Um, so there's uh, several different crime scenes. And, of course, we're picking up tips daily um, by people that were in the area who may have seen things, so we're acting on all of those as well. So it's uh, it's quite a complex and dynamic situation up there.
0: Why were charges laid in the death of Leonard Dick and not yet in the case of Lucas Fowler and China Dees?
1: So we had, uh, the, uh, the investigators had evidence um, for Mr. Dick um, uh, several days ago. Uh, and I know our investigators are still working hard towards charge approval in, um, in the murders of Mr. Fowler and Ms. Deese as well. So um, we're, we're working very, very hard to get those, and uh, we expect those uh, um, yeah, in the future. Uh,
0: the Toyota RAV4, then, did that belong to Mr. Dick?
1: Uh, You know, uh, that's a question that a lot of people have asked. Yeah. We've been, been, uh, um, I've been uh, asked that many, many times. Unfortunately, I don't have the details on it. I know a lot of people are jumping to conclusions because that's just what people do, right? Um, I, I know that we're still working on that as well, um, that the investigators have those details and sometimes I'm just not privy to them.
0: Do you mention people kind of jumping to conclusions and asking these questions? So do you think that is because there is a bit of a vacuum, like perhaps RCMP releasing more information would cause people to speculate less?
1: I don't know. That's kind of uh, it's a fine line. I don't want to release too, too much information. I don't want to taint people's memories. That's one thing that uh, a lot of people don't understand. They want that um, all information at all times, and we just can't release those types of uh, information. Um, there could be somebody out there who was a witness who saw something that they may have thought was trivial, and if I taint that uh, memory of them and they give a statement and they say, you know what? Corporal Manso said this, and I remember that, you know, that could be an avenue that um, could taint that investigation. and I don't want to, uh, I don't want to uh, diminish our chances in court on this. So we have to be very careful what we release and when it's safe to the public. Absolutely. That information gets out there as soon as we can. And as soon as we know.
0: Has it been more challenging, though, would you say, Corporal Manso for the RCMP this time because of the heightened level of public awareness and interest in this?
1: No, um, I think uh, our communication section here is working very, very hard to make sure that the information that gets out there is accurate and it's very, very timely. Um, I spoke with uh, some investigator or some uh, media from Australia yesterday and they said, you know, you guys are doing a great job. We really appreciate what you put out. Could you train our uh, our media to do the same? And we kind of had a bit of a chuckle thinking, oh, the only... Well, the only uh, the the only uh, people that are saying that we're not putting it out fast enough is our local media, so it's uh, one of those things. But you know, we're we're doing the best to get the information out there. We want to make sure that people are safe, and we still want to remind people that these two suspects are, uh, although they were last seen in Manitoba several days ago, they could be uh, just about anywhere. So we want all Canadians to remain vigilant, uh, keep an eye open. You know, they could be changing their appearance, they could be changing just about anything. So keep an eye open until you hear specific specifically from us, um, that we have them in custody.
0: Do you believe they're armed?
1: I do believe that they're armed. Uh, We are saying that they are armed and dangerous. Um, uh, It has been confirmed that Mr. Fowler and Ms. Dees um, were, uh, uh, their homicide did involve gun violence. Um, As for Mr. Dick, that information hasn't been, Uh, pushed forward to me yet, Um, so we're going to assume until we know otherwise that they are armed and that they are dangerous.
0: Do you know where would they have gotten those firearms? Were they aware to be, did you know they were in possession of firearms? Do they have a license for them?
1: Um, You know, again, those details, I don't know. I know that I have seen in the media that one of the fathers did say that his son did not have access to firearms and didn't use firearms. So where they uh, obtained those firearms, I don't know. Um, That's part of the investigation as well. And I'm sure investigators are, are looking to get to the bottom of where they got that in the first place.
0: How did Schmigelski and McLeod first come to police attention? I mean, Was it a result of the families phoning and saying they were missing?
1: No, um, how they uh, came to our attention was on on Monday we did a press conference and I spoke um, uh, um, on them being missing persons. They were attached to that uh, vehicle that was burnt out that was found outside of Dees Lake on Friday. So we knew that that vehicle belonged to one of the young men. And, uh, on Monday, when I, when I said that they were missing people, um, I truly meant it. That's, that's what, um, that's the information that we had. And then obviously it took a dramatic turn on Tuesday, literally before the next press conference that, no, uh, things have changed. They are now suspects. Uh, that's what the investigators have told us. So that's what we've been saying.
0: So until, until Friday then, so until their burned out vehicle was found, you hadn't heard about them. They hadn't been on anybody's radar.
1: No, I, I, uh, it's, it's possible that the uh, investigators may have known that, but I uh, wasn't aware of that, and um, they were just missing people, and we treated it as a missing person investigation, obviously missing person investigation, a burned-out vehicle, uh, discovery of a body nearby, and then a double homicide um, 400 kilometers away really stirred up the, uh, the uh, media interest and the public's interest in, as well, but they were uh, missing people as of Monday.
0: So, Corporal Manso, would you say that perhaps more charges are imminent?
1: I don't want to say that they're imminent. I don't want to put any pressure on the investigators of the B.C. Prosecution Service, although um, I expect that um, they'll be coming, but I don't have a timeline on that.
0: All right. So officers are still on the scene, though, of the crime scenes, like still at that location, still investigating?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, They may not be on those scenes. I know one of the scenes was uh, released. I saw some pictures of some uh, reporters that were at the scene of, I believe, um, the vehicle that was uh, burned up. Um, uh, That's the one that was in Dees Lake. Um, I saw some people that were walking around that. So I think that scene has been released. But as for other scenes, I think uh, um, other investigators are still working at it.
0: Has there been a lot of information from the public on this?
1: Um, yeah, well, the, uh, the public has been really instrumental on this. Um, every tip that we get um, is followed thoroughly. Every piece of information um, um, really does help these types of investigations. There's a lot of people out there who feel that you know, if, this is a national um, investigation, this is really big, and that little tiny piece of information they don't want to bother us with. It's like, oh, you know, I may have seen blank at this you know, please give us a call. Please let us know. That could be the final piece of information that we really need to really turn this case on its head. So if you have anything, please contact your local police or please dial 911, even if that information is now a couple of days old.
0: All right, Corporal Mansell, thank you very much for your time.
1: All right, thank you. Have yourself a great day.
0: You too. That is Corporal Chris Manso with BC RCMP's Communication Services giving us an update uh, on the BC aspect of this investigation. Yeah, the manhunt is happening in Manitoba, but the actual investigation into the three homicides right here in BC. All right, we've been giving you updates today into the search for and the investigations into uh, Brian Schmigelski and Cam McLeod. Manhunt continues in Manitoba. Investigations into the three homicides continues in BC, as we just heard from Corporal Men. So uh, that was a, a very interesting interview because he said a couple of things that kind of caught my attention on that. One, they do believe that these suspects are armed, but they don't know where those firearms might have come from. Didn't know about these two young men Until uh, Friday, when their burned out vehicle was found, that was the first time they appeared on the radar of police. And at that point, didn't thought they were just missing, didn't know know, why they had found their vehicle kind of on fire, uh, didn't all get connected until after the weekend late Monday I think he said and then on Tuesday when they had that very dramatic press conference that we had for you let's talk more about this whole investigation though with the help of our next guest it's Dave Perry a former homicide investigator for the Toronto Police Service uh, is the CEO right now of the Investigative Solutions Network also a global news crime and security analyst Dave thanks very much for joining us
2: It's a pleasure. How are you?
0: I am good. Thank you. And I know that you had a chance to listen to our conversation with Corporal Manso. What did you think about how they are phrasing their work on the investigation?
2: Well, I think it's typical of the RCMP and other police services to be very guarded on the information going forward. And for the appropriate reasons, as the corporal said, they don't want to say anything or release any information that might contaminate a potential witness out there. And I agree to a point, um, but being a member of the public today, I have the same wishes that everybody else does, including the media. I'd like more information. Um, The issue about the car, I I don't see how how that would impact the investigation if they confirmed Whether or not that belonged to one of the victims, or if it was simply a, a car that was stolen from somebody else,
0: yeah, but that was they're, they're that was doing interesting, doing
2: right? Because it he, was interesting.
0: he even acknowledged that. Yeah, lots of people have been asking about that. I think, and I've been getting tons of emails from people on that. Seems very basic. The Toyota Rav4 did that belong to one of the victims?
2: Yes, and that Toyota is now, as you know, part of a crime scene, burned out. So. I don't see what the holdback is on just saying it either is one of the victims' cars or it's not. But, you know, they probably have their own reasons for holding that back right now.
0: As a former officer, a former homicide investigator, do you think sometimes police services in in Canada do operate from an, like an overabundance of caution? Uh,
2: sometimes. And a lot of times it comes down to the policy of the individual police service, but also it comes down to the individual investigative team or the lead investigator as well. My, my philosophy in homicide investigation and other major crime investigations is always to get as many people looking as possible, thereby giving them as much information and walking that fine line to make sure you don't contaminate your investigation. But giving the public as much information, uh, which you know they're entitled to, but also to get them potentially to assist us to wrap up, a, especially a manhunt like this, a little bit quicker.
0: Yeah, that's what I was wondering as well. Like when you have a, a, a lack of information, even a perceived lack of information, people tend to fill in the gaps on their own, don't they?
2: They do. And, uh, you know, in, in, in this particular time, we're all pretty sensitive to, you know, real-time information because of technology. And sometimes when you have a, an institution like the police service holding back, it does frustrate us, but, I'm always defending the police on these issues just to be to tell people to be patient, let the police do their work, yeah. and eventually we will hear, you know, exactly what happened. And a lot of time, for some of the information, I, I truly believe that the proper venue for the first time anybody should hear information is when it's produced in court as evidence. So they're always walking that very fine line. But, you know, what I do like is to see that they're constantly updating the public, that uh, we all know at least the last known location of these two men and the fact that I think they're feeling pretty comfortable that they've they've got them within the perimeter that they've established. And I, and I wouldn't mind talking about that if, if yeah. that's something you want to speak about. I do. But, uh, perimeters are always an interesting thing, and especially in very remote areas. And, and I've been there. Sometimes when you think you have your suspect or suspects tied down and you've got a tight perimeter, and you eventually start doing your grid searching and you get in there and you found out that somehow, either during the, the setup of the perimeter or even after the perimeter has been established, they somehow managed to get outside the net and they're they're long gone. And I think the corporal was wise to tell people that, you know, be aware. They may have slipped out through the perimeter either before it was established or later, and they could be anywhere. Um, my gut is that with a burned-out vehicle in that very room. Real- remote community they took to the woods and they're probably still in there and it's not going to go well for them.
0: Right. That seems to be what people think, but that must be a very tense situation uh, for everybody. Like uh, when was the last time, Dave, that you could even think of a manhunt like this before?
2: Yeah, there's, there's been several. I mean, the last one was that case with a a suspect. I remember one of them, his name is David Sweat and they had the help right. of a female prisoners, pr- prison guard help them escape. And uh, I followed that very closely. Escape (laughs) at danamora That's the one I I watched that next Netflix show and I found it rather fascinating, but that was a very similar uh, manhunt, if you will. And they took to the woods and they did all the things that I'm, I'm I'm guessing these two men are going to do. They, they burned themselves out. They were bug bitten and cold and uh, you know, they, they were starving and they were without resources and sooner or later just from the pure exhaustion and the pain of trying to live out in the bush, they just started wandering out and making mistakes. And lastly, here in in Toronto, the last one I remember was, I think it was 1990 or perhaps 1992, there was a police officer shot in Toronto, and thankfully he survived. But the two uh, uh, military men that had gone AWOL from the London Army base uh, had had been quickly identified as the people responsible, and the manhunt was on, and they, they made their way down to Maryland where they... Again, this is the danger to the public and the police. Uh, Two state troopers in Maryland came across them, and got out to investigate. And they pulled their guns and opened fire at the state troopers. They were it happened to be female officers who I met, and one of them was shot. And fortunately, the bullet hit her handcuff pouch, and and that saved her life. But they downed one of them. They shot him, and I think the bullet went through his kneecap. And the other guy took to the woods and. uh, it was a matter of time that he literally come stumbling out, stumbling out pretty well with his hands up. He was, he was done.
0: Well, so, I have, uh, I have a feeling, Dave, we're going to be talking to you more about this in the days ahead. So, thank you very much for your time.
2: Uh, certainly my pleasure.
0: That is Dave Perry, former homicide investigator for the Toronto Police Service, global news, crime and security analyst.